that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Read it again. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Then verse 9, everybody let's read verse 9 now. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. I like the end. That is where we got the phrase, the uncontainable word of God. That's where the title of the theme today is. The word of God is not changed. Even though I am suffering trouble as an evildoer, the word of God is not changed. And I, I said, is Paul calling himself an evildoer or somebody who has done evil? And then I went to look at verse 9 in other translations, particularly in Amplified, and then I got a clearer understanding that what Paul was saying here is not that he was calling himself an evildoer, but that he was punished, he was classed as an evildoer. And so he was punished and put in prison. Let me read to you. Just listen to me as I read verse uh, 9 in the Amplified Version. In fact, I'll read it from verse 8. It says, Remember Jesus Christ, the ever-living Lord, who has risen from the dead as the prophesied king, described, descended sorry, from David, king of Israel, according to my gospel, the good news that I preach. Now verse 9 says, For that gospel I am suffering. For the sake of that gospel I am suffering even to the point of wearing chains like a criminal. For the sake of that gospel, not that he had done anything wrong, because if you read it in New King James, it looks like he did something wrong when he says, I'm suffering as an evildoer. He's saying that they are counting me an evildoer to the point of the fact that I'm now wearing chains like a criminal. He said, but the word of God is not chained or imprisoned. This is why the word of God we have called uncontainable, unstoppable. Why do we need to know this as children of God? I'm going to expound it to us as we go on in this session today, but I'll quickly go back to verse 8. He said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. You see, one thing we must realize is that our entire Christianity is founded on the resurrection of Christ. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the church. Jesus Christ is the owner of the church. He is the head of the church. He called it my church in Matthew chapter 18. He said, I will build my church. It is his property. Whatever that church is called, as long as it's a church that accepts the lordship of Christ, it is his property. We are all his. And the Bible says that he resurrected. Paul said, remember Never forget as a child of God that the resurrection of Christ is what distinguishes your faith from the faith of every other person. Now, there are many people who have claimed to be messiahs, in quote, saviors, in quote. But they died, they never rose again. They died, they never gave a promise of any life hereafter that they were going to provide to their followers, whoever they be. But Jesus Christ died, rose again, and then he made a promise that he is going to bring us to the same place where he is now going. Even though he lived here on earth for 33 and a half years, he moved like you and I in the flesh, and he died, but he rose again on the third day, as we know. And that spirit that raised Christ from the grave is still the one that is at work in us today. 
And I want us all to understand that this is the basis of Christianity. Every Christian that does not reflect on the resurrection of Christ has the potential to drift, has the potential to treat Christianity as another ideology and another philosophy or religion of man. But Christianity does not just offer religion. It offers life eternal. Life here on earth in him and life after we leave this earth still in him. For it is in him we live and move and have our being. The day he rose in Matthew chapter 28 from verse 5 to verse 6. He said, you seek Jesus who was buried here. He said, he is not here for he is risen. He is risen. He is no longer here. I know that is the message we usually preach only at Easter time. But every one of us must realize and remember that what makes us Christians and gives us strong strength every day is the fact that we are meditating on the resurrected Christ. The one who did what no human being could have ever done, rose again and gave us gifts to live for him. When they were just some basic scriptures, John chapter 11, verse 25 and verse 26, when they were at the tombstone of Lazarus. Can I have John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26? When he was at the tombstone of Lazarus and Lazarus had been dead for four days and the place was looking gloomy. You know that when a person dies and if you've, if you've ever been there or in such a situation, a, a beloved person, it can be a horrible time. One of the experiences I can hardly ever forget in my life is an accident that claimed the lives of three of my very good friends when I was just 26 years old, going on 27, claimed their lives. And why did I feel it so much? Because I would have died with them. This was January 16, 1996, just a month after my wedding. Exactly one month, my wedding was just on December 16th, and I would have been in that car with them. For the last minute, the leader of the group said to me, David, because you have just got married, I'm going to allow you to stay, and you will not join us on this trip. And I said, okay, and he gave me some money. I was, this was a group of full gospel businessmen, fellowship presidents in Nigeria. I was the youngest in the group. I was just married. I wanted John 11, thank you. John 11, 25 and 26 are the things I need. Thank you. And when I said bye-bye to him, just the day before they traveled, I never knew that was the last day I would see my friend Joseph and the other two friends. And they died 5 a.m. the next morning as their car had an accident, as there was a stationary truck on the road that had broken down overnight. It was Hamatan, northern Nigeria, with a lot of dust. You can't, the visibility is so poor. And this vehicle was stuck in the middle of the road, no hazard sign, nothing. You couldn't see it, no matter who you were, on the highway. And they went under it, and that was the end for all of them. So I was shaken when I was told in my office 9 a.m. that morning that my friends had died. You can imagine myself thinking I could have been there. It can be a very horrible sight. And when we went to, pass, to, to greet the families and to start making arrangements, I was 26, we were very young. You can imagine, even they were in their early 30s, the oldest was about 33 that time. 
And it was a tough time. And for that one experience, I realized something that must have been going on around the tombstone of Lazarus. When you lose loved ones, it's a dark cloud. It's a heavy time. It's a hopeless time. It is a time that brings depression by itself without any words being spoken. So Mary, Martha, and all the ones that loved Lazarus were crying. Even Jesus cried because they were crying. (laughs) But in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Now, he proved to them at the tombstone of Lazarus that the person can be raised back to life again in this life. But he wasn't just talking about that. He is saying that once you believe, you are guaranteed eternal life. He said, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Now, then look at what he said again in verse 26. Go to verse 26. He said, go to verse 26. Thank you. He said, and whoever lives like you and I now are living in eternal life here on earth, and we continue to believe in him, we shall never die. Go back to verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. What does he mean by that? Anyone who comes to Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. He dies to the old man and he is made alive in resurrection with him. Paul was saying, never forget that you have resurrected with him. Accepting him means you have also resurrected in him. You have died to yourself. Now you are living in him. And then he says in verse 26, now verse 26. He said, and he who lives and believes, he whoever lives and believes in me shall never die again. He said, do you believe this mystery? Do you believe this? I'm trying to make you understand how different you are as a child of God. Anyone who has the Son of God has life. Paul said to Timothy, never forget this. Many believers don't know this. Many believers just see themselves like ordinary people because we go through the same things. The Bible says we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Not anymore. So we eat the same food. We suffer the same flu. Two weeks ago, I had all kinds of things in my head. Sneezing, coughing, and all kinds of things. Because it is a world thing. And I know some preachers are too proud to say that they go through things like that. But that is part of where our problem is. <laughs> we don't admit that we are still in this flesh and we can be in prison. We are still in this flesh and we are still subject to things. Many people say, but why, why am I facing this? Oh, oh, Father, I am your child. Of course you are, your, you are his child. Nothing has changed that. But you are in this world. You are in this system. When you have children and they go to boarding school and they are now under a system, under a rule, a system of rules where they have to wake up at a certain time and do things, eat at a certain time, go to lectures at a certain time, either boarding school or they're in university. Have that, has that stopped them being your children? No. But do you have total control over their time in the place? Do you? You don't. Even if you think you do, you don't. <laughs> even if you wish you did, you don't because they are now in a system that is controlling all that. The world system has things it controls. 
that will still have to be subject to. When the weather is hot, there is a likelihood for certain things to happen. When the weather is cold, there is a likelihood for certain things to happen. When there is a flood, everybody's house, whether he's a believer or not, in the way of the flood, will experience the flood. So this idea of us believers thinking that there is something that, is, is, that makes us different, we have to take it out. What then is the difference? I'm going to show you what God provides for his children just for the sake of the kingdom that they belong, that he desires that they continue to expand for him. Nothing more. Every preservation, every promotion, everything we receive as children of God is not because of us, but it's because of him. It's for the sake of his kingdom. And so Paul said, you must never forget that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. I could preach a whole message on this and not move to verse 9. But because I wanted the whole thing to be within nine weeks, honestly, I had to just match verse 8 and 9. The resurrected one is a theme here. Focusing on the resurrected one. Jesus Christ, the word Christ, means the anointed one and his anointing. The anointed one and his anointing. He who raised him from the dead. Romans 8, 11 says the same spirit that raised the anointed one and his anointing from the dead is at work in us. He said how much more is it able to quicken our mortal bodies? That is Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But I want us to go straight to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I hope I have somebody on the console Romans 1, 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed. I'm reading 16 and 17. Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jews first, and also for the Greek. Verse 17 says, for in it is the righteousness of God. Thank you. For in it, read it with me, verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. Just shall live by faith. As it is written, what? The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by his faith. This is what we live by. For in the gospel of Christ, now I want to say something very bold and categoric here today, and I want it to be our language in this church. In this church, we believe in only one gospel because that is the only gospel that is in the Bible. It is called the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ. Everyone going about talking about the gospel of healing, the gospel of prosperity, the gospel of whatever it is, are not speaking scripture directly. What they are saying is not totally wrong, but there is no reference to the gospel of those different things. It is the gospel of Christ. It is the good news about Christ that brings all those things. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Good news to all men. The healing of mankind is good news. The healing he brings. The prosperity to mankind he brings is good news. 
Everything is in the gospel of Christ. So Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation means new birth, having been saved. It is a Greek word called sozo. Thank you. That's Luke 2.14. The angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. What? Goodwill. Good news toward men. That is what the gospel is. So when people say, oh, we don't believe in this gospel of healing or this gospel of prosperity, or the, it's like somebody saying that you, you live in my house and my house has, it has, some, it has some bedrooms, it has a kitchen, it has a living room, it has, you know, uh, a, a garage, it has every kind of functional space like that. And then you come and say to me, ah, I, Bradev, you know, I like this, your house, but I don't believe that this living room is your own. <laughs> in the house... <laughs> That's the same thing. If somebody says they don't believe in healing, that's what it means. And they say they're born again. I believe in Christ, but I don't believe in, in healing. I don't believe in prosperity. The Bible says he became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. And that is not about just having money. That is about having his kind of prosperity, the wellness, the wholeness of it. What is money when your health is only your, all the money is used to service your health. That is useless money. I said it on, during one of our midweek meetings. I think it was on uh, a prayer meeting in the morning. A prospered man can have 2,000 pounds coming into him or her on a monthly basis and live better than a so-called wealthy man that has 20,000 coming in every week but doesn't know God. Have you ever seen such? Plenty. Plenty. He cannot account for 20,000 because as soon as he's coming in, he's servicing all kinds of court cases, loan, and all kinds of his, his uh, Ferrari costs him about 5,000 pounds every month. Anyway, his house mortgage is about four. Because somebody who has 20,000 in this country, that means you earn 240,000 a month, a year. Yeah, the mortgage people will say, come, we will give you 1 million. That's what they do. Do you know that? They give you the mortgage based on what they say you are earning. They multiply it by four and say, you are, you are capable. <laughs> so they put you in bondage. So, and by the time tax takes half of that, almost half of that away, because that is classed a high honor. By the time tax takes almost, you know, 100,000 of that away every year, he is left with only 140,000. That by the time you look at it, the 20,000 that seems to be coming in every month is not worth more than 2,000 to him. Because he's living a life that he's servicing high things. And then, God help him. Let him be from the part of country I come from, <laughs> part of the world I come from originally. There will be a string of people who will be depending on him for many other things because he is classed as somebody who has the money. So what am I trying to say here? Prosperity has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with the gospel of Christ, which brings good news. When there is good news and goodwill toward you, everything you need, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, everything you need for life and godliness is given to you. I want us to read Romans, let's go first, Romans chapter 1. Okay, we have read Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Just leave it at that and take off the scripture. I just want to encourage you on this. What Paul was saying in verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 2 is the fact that the gospel of Christ is the gospel of the resurrection. And we must keep walking by faith. Let's go to 2 Corinthians now, 2 Timothy now, chapter 2, verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. We have been reading that verse of scripture. 
throughout our Bible reading. He said, For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Hallelujah. He said, For which I suffer trouble, and I've read other verses, I read at least Amplified, you can read it, I read it in Good News, Easy Translation, all of them, all point to the fact that he was chained because of people's interpretation, not that he is an evil man, the way it may sound when you look at it in the King James or New King James. And what that is telling me is that there are many, many believers in certain kind of chains that God is aware of. And we must all understand one thing about it, that regardless of what it is we are going through, God's word remains limitless and cannot be contained. It cannot be contained or confined to whatever situation of life we are going through. Many people have allowed their understanding of God to be shaped by whatever they are going through per time. When it is good, it is God. When it is not so good, God is absent. No, that is not the gospel. This is what Paul was trying to tell Timothy, that that is not the gospel. The gospel is about remembering the resurrection of Christ, the good news he brought to us by resurrecting. He said, that same gospel, I suffer as an evildoer. I suffer as somebody who is reproached by many. He said, even at times to the point of chains. Many of these verses, we read them today, we are edified by them, we enjoy them, and we pray with them, we sing with them. But the man who was writing this was writing them many times in physical pain with chains on his feet, or bound between the walls of prison. Many times. He said, I suffer, but the word of God is not changed. And I'm going to take us through four things that are attributes of the uncontainable word of God that you must always remember when you are in any kind of limiting circumstance, when you are in any kind of situation that looks like is putting you in a situation that is probably going to make you doubt the presence of God. When I was growing up as a little boy, my father of blessed memory brought us up in the way of the Lord. Very strict man, loving. I couldn't have prayed for a better father. That is the truth. I love him so much. I loved him so much. And I thank God for his life. I loved him to the point where after he died, we went to bury him about a year ago. And uh, four months later, I dreamt I saw him in a dream. And we were together in one place. It was a very large field. And I was, we were just talking like normally, like we used to do. This is in the dream. And uh, we, after some time of talking in that dream, a dream of about five minutes or so, but after some time of talking, I said, Dad, I'm going. I want to go. I said, I said Take, we were lying down on a kind of a, a mat, like a picnic place in that, in that uh, field. Just the two of us. I said, Dad, I'm going back. I'm going to see you. I said, let's go now. And he said to me, he said, David, I really am enjoying it here. Can you let me be? And I looked at him. I said, well, maybe we'll see later. And I just left him there. And uh, I walked away from there. And then I woke up, and it occurred to me, and I, I, of course, my wife was there. I woke her up, and I, when we woke up in the morning, I said to her, my dad must be, definitely must be in a resting place. And he was really enjoying where he was. So, well, that means I went to heaven as well. <laughs> I must have gone to heaven as well. 
because he was really enjoying it. He said, I'm really enjoying it here, and I would really like to stay. I loved him very much. But the truth of the matter is that there were certain things that happened in our family, in our life, that up to today I cannot explain. I cannot just give any logical conclusion or explanation to it. So Christians must understand that we face things, we will face things from time to time. We don't have to understand everything we pass through. This idea to say, I have an unction from the Holy One and I know all things, and then you now want to believe that you have to know everything with the ways of God is a waste of time. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to God, but those things which are revealed, he reveals it. That is what you can know. And there's nothing you can do. You can fake it, you can try it. This is why many people do fake prophecies today. Just to assure people that they know it. They don't know not. How many people have predicted that somebody will become a president of one country and he did not become? <laughs> many, many years ago in my home country, I was a young boy in my teenage. We were having some contest and there was a man. He's dead now. He was, uh, his name was Shehu Shagari. He became our president in the year 1979 in Nigeria. And um, in 1983, when he, they were to run for the second term, one prophet came out and he said, the name of the person who would become president will be in the Bible. I'm sure you know that story. He said the name will be in the Bible. And uh, Shagari is not in the Bible. So there was, uh, you know, there were other content, content, uh, contenders or contestants uh, who were from the south of the country that was predominantly Christian. And so everybody was following his prophecy. They were expecting him to be somebody from the south. And then suddenly Shagari won again. And then they went to meet him. They said, why is it that this one, he said, they didn't read the Bible well. There is a place called Shamga. <laughs> he said, that's the name of the man. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> oh, God of mercy. So people try, they guess. But you see, the truth is, God does not have to speak what he doesn't have to speak, period. He doesn't have to say what he doesn't want to say. Why didn't he tell Joseph that Joseph would go to prison when he was giving him the dream, number one, dream number two? He doesn't want to tell him about prison, period. So accept it. If you find yourself in prison on the way to the throne, take it and pass through it. The throne is where you are going. Hallelujah. That's where you are going. Nothing can change the throne. Nothing can change it. Don't be worried about the prison. Don't be worried about Potiphar's house. Don't start asking God why. God why. Everything is working together for good. We have to come to a place. What Paul was telling Timothy here is that this thing called ministry has mysteries about it. You want to be a solid Christian, you want to be a solid minister for this gospel, at times you will find yourself in chains, but God's word cannot be chained. Whatever he has said about you will come to pass. Attribute number one, God's word existed before any problem and it will continue to exist after the problem. That is attribute number one. John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. I have said many times, every one of us must realize when you read John 1 or Genesis 1, the word beginning doesn't mean the beginning of God. God has no beginning. I hope you understand that by now in this church. God has no beginning. He has no end. In the beginning of time, because time exists as a space in eternity. Eternity 
that has ever been. And then time got introduced. And we are living in time now. And a time will come when time itself will cease and we continue in eternity. This is why everybody must follow God's word in time to make sure that what happens after time is God's will for them. To live with him in eternity. Everybody will die. But only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will live eternally. Everybody else will live in damnation. May God, for, may God make us not live in damnation in the name of Jesus. Everyone will continue to live after time, but it's only one or the other. So when you are going through a situation, you must realize, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, he said the word of God is living and powerful. It has been existing before time. It is living in time and it has the power. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Somebody say the word of God is living and it's powerful. Say the word of God is active. This means that in all situations, we must remember that God's word cannot be taken by surprise. Nothing ever happens to a human being and God says, I'm surprised. I'm shocked by this. Do people not do things that belittles his grace on them like Adam and Eve? Of course. But he's never surprised. A surprised man will have no solution after a chaotic situation. Anyone that you see has a solution almost immediately. It means that he has thought of the problem before it arose. The animal he slayed was already an agenda when he was creating the animals. Before man was even formed. That's why the animal was there for him to, to catch and slay and put the hide to cover their nakedness when they were trying to use leaves to cover themselves. Oh, thank God he did that. We would have all been wearing leaves by now. Imagine that. <laughs> We'd have all been wearing leaves. But thank God he gave man the idea that you see all these animals around you, they can produce leather. They can produce fur. I'm sure you never heard that before. <laughs> but that is the truth. But over and above that, the blood of that animal was to prevent them from death. What I'm saying here is that God's word existed before the year 2022. And God knows, God knows that everything you have gone through in 2022 are necessary processes that you will have to go through. Some of it you never liked. Some of it you wish would never come back. All I just want you to know is that keep trusting the sovereignty of God. Every word God has spoken concerning you shall come to pass. I say they shall come to pass. Because his word existed before those problems started. I was speaking to my, my young daughter some weeks back, back about a couple of weeks back in, in uni, and we were talking about how times change. And I reminded her how I said to her sometime that do you remember when you were in primary school and you were to do exams like 11 plus going into secondary school? It looked like the hardest thing that you ever do in life. And then suddenly you come into secondary school and you face GCSEs, and that looks like, in fact, that is like the killer of the exams. <laughs> 
And then you do A-levels, and then A-levels. Nobody, nobody jokes with A-levels. That one is like, uh, I said to her, don't you see that every stage, those things always look like the hardest? I said, that's how life is. That's how life is. When I was an undergraduate, I said, the day I become a graduate engineer, all my problems will be solved. <laughs> all my academic problems will finish. <laughs> I didn't know that that was the beginning of the journey. <laughs> that was the beginning of the journey. Because those days in engineering school, we, can't, we were not allowed to fail at all. We couldn't fail one module. That's how we were trained. Because the, pro, the, the training is that if you fail that module and they allow you to go past, it will mean that in your professional life, you will assume that it is okay not to pass. So you are, they put it in your head that you cannot afford not to do everything 100% every time. That's the way we were trained. Things have changed now. So it was hard. It was hard. Every semester, you must pass all the modules, semester by semester, for five years. So I was thinking that that was the hardest thing a man can face in life <laughs> until I finished. And then, of course, the rest is history. I want you to know that the situation you are in right now may look fresh, may look uncommon, may look like you can't really understand it, but God knows every detail. I say he knows every detail. And he is assuring you that if you put your trust in him, he will take you through it. I say he will take you through it in the mighty name of Jesus. The psalmist said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That is Psalm 1 verse 1 to verse 3. So the word of God existed before any situation of life and will continue to exist after. Number two thing I would like to say, the word of God is pure. The word of God is pure. Only God's word is pure. Man's word cannot be pure because man is not pure. Man has element of the flesh in him. This is why man can say, we don't want you as prime minister. And I'm not saying anything now. We don't want you as prime minister 120 days ago. And then say today, we want you as prime minister. Do you get what I'm saying? I did not say anything. <laughs> that is man for you. <laughs> that is man for you. Man is limited. It's what he sees now that he knows. What is, what is before him now. Only God sees the end from the beginning. Because he's the Alpha and the Omega. So his word is pure. The devil cannot challenge the word of God because God has all wisdom. Omnipotence resides in him. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He knows all things and can do all things. Hallelujah. And he is omnipresent. So the purity of God's word makes it impossible for the devil to challenge him. So everyone who takes God's word must believe. Please put Proverbs chapter 30 for me, verse 5 and verse 6. Everyone who takes the word of God must believe in its purity. It's not like the word of man. The word of man can change. On Sunday, man said to Jesus, Hosanna to the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. Hosanna to the king who comes in the name of the Lord. On Friday, the same week, not the following week, they say what? That is man for you. Man can change. This is why the Bible says, Woe unto him 
whose trust is in the arm of the flesh. Jeremiah 17, 5. But I need Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and verse 6. Thank you. We're talking about the purity of the word of God. Let's go together. Verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure. Someone say, every word of God is pure. Can I have the rear screen back on? Every word of God is pure. Say it with me. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Can I have the rear screen back on, please? Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those that trust him. That means they are protected. When you put your trust in the word of God, what you are putting your life in is the protection that he offers. Standing on the word of God is not just like standing on incantations that are conjectured up by man. The word of God, the purity of the word of God makes it infallible. It makes it uncontestable because it carries with its declarations everything that does that is impossible to oppose. It carries the power of God. It carries the presence of God. It carries the wisdom of God. The word of God is pure. It is pure. This is why Paul said, even though I may be chained, the word cannot be contained. Paul knew this, Job knew this when he said, I may be going through this, but I know that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. Every believer must understand the, purity, the place of the purity of the word of God. It cannot be challenged by the devil. Whatever God has said concerning your health, whatever God has said concerning your marriage, whatever God has said concerning your children, Whatever God has said concerning your job, whatever God has said concerning your living life now, the purity of that word is what will make it come to pass. Believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. Believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. In the mighty name of Jesus. Those protected by the promises of God are assured of safety at all times. This is not for us to live our lives flippantly or carelessly and just behave as if, you know, we are proud and arrogant people. No, but it is for us to also walk in confidence. Every believer must learn how to walk in confidence on a daily basis. Walk in assurance. Like the psalmist, like I quoted earlier on, he said, I will fear no evil. Walk in assurance and don't live in fear. The news reports that are surrounding us every day, every time in this day and age, whichever country you live, is full of fear-mongering and making people panic. The ex-chancellor in this country just spoke some things into the atmosphere about taxes. Just one or two sentences. And the whole world shook. The whole world shook. People moved their money out of this country. People sold their bonds and went to America. In 24 hours, our economy nearly collapsed. <laughs> because one man just brought out something he thought would work. But everybody was afraid of it because it is part of what holds the nation's economy. High taxes. This is the way the world is today. 
Fear everywhere. Confusion everywhere. And so I am telling every believer that this is the time more than ever before to know the word of God for yourself. Stop looking for people to be praying for you. I am not saying it's bad. For sitting down and asking people prayer, prayer, conference, conference, this every day. It's not going to help you stand in this time. It is the word of God you have put inside you that will be speaking when you hear bad news. It is the word that will say, when others are saying that there is a casting down, I shall say there is a... Because the, pu- the purity of the word of God will speak through your mind. Then you find that you are at peace. Otherwise, you join the panic, you join the confusion. Hallelujah. Believe God for what he has said. Those of you that have come from other countries and are now here, whatever the stage of your journey, God brought you here for a purpose. Believe him to establish that purpose. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. You just need to sit down, sit people down, they tell you their story. <laughs> they tell you their story. Whether they have been migrants, especially migrants, whether they've been here 20 years or 15 years or 30 years, they have a story. They have a story. So don't, don't, don't just look and think, oh, when is my life going to be like this? No, 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 no. There is a process. Trust God. Walk with him. The word that he has spoken concerning you about increasing the land, prospering in the land, being a blessing in the land, and particularly the missionary that he has brought you to this land to be will surely come to pass. I say to surely come to pass. In the name of Jesus. There was a time I was a research student and... Uh, it's about 20 years ago now, 22 years ago. That's what brought me here. I was doing research. But the money I earned a month was only 500 pounds. And my house rent alone was about those days. A small one-bedroom house I had was almost 300 pounds that time. So I had to look for extra work. My wife was expecting our second child so she could only work and bless her. She worked as hard as she could, but she could only do so much. So I had to work. So I would do my PhD from 9 to 3, oh, sorry, 7, 8 a.m. to 3, I will do some research work. Then 3, I will go and teach in a school in Birmingham. I will drive to Birmingham, go and teach in a school in Birmingham for about 3 hours. And 15 pounds those days, an hour. That was a lot of money for me. 45 pounds, ah, that paid almost my electricity bill those days. And I will go and end that. Then I will come home and sleep for just about 3 hours. Then I will go to Royal Mail to do coding. I don't know whether they still do it now. This thing that letters will be passing like that. I'm sure computers do it now. <laughs> God have mercy. <laughs> letters will be flashing past you like that. You'll be typing the postcode. You'll be typing the postcode. And you know something? I would do that. So by the time it's 10 p.m., I'm already tired. I'm already very tired. And I was one of the elders in the church. Maybe I'm the one preaching the next Wednesday or the next day or even the Sunday service. So I will be doing all that, preparing for message and just preparing myself. So one day, I was doing my coding and then I was dozing. And the supervisor came around and said, David, I noticed that you are holding up the line. I will sack you. I said, please don't sack me. (laughs) I need this job seriously. (laughs) Don't sack me. In this same country, in in Royal Mill, Wolverhampton, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Because, you see, some of us, if we don't say some of these things, it will look as if we just drop from the sky and whatever little thing we are doing today, we just started doing it like that. No, no, no. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. My wife walked 
when she was to have our third child, she walked to the point where one day they, somebody noticed the, 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 the extent of her tummy. He said, we can't let you come here again because you can give birth any, any time from now. That was the last day. And I think two days later, she put to bed. <laughs> so maybe if that man had not talked that day, they would have carried her from there to go and have... We've worked hard. We do things. So you need to just trust God. But we always remember, even today, we look at the church work, we look at the things. It is what God has said that we keep looking at. Hallelujah. Every believer must realize that the word of God is pure. Say with me, the word of God is pure. I will believe it totally. This is another thing. Number three, it is God-breathed. The word of God is God-breathed. It's God-breathed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and verse 17. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. This means that the word of God comes to us and works in us by inspiration. This is an impossible thing for the devil to comprehend. Because God's word works with our spirit directly. You see something. The devil has access to your flesh and he can torment your soul. But God in his wisdom made sure that your spirit is only reserved for him. The spirit of man, the Bible says, is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So the word of God, like you heard from God's servant last week, those of you that were here or those of you that remember the message, he said God will speak and our spirit will download, remember, from the spirit into our spirit. Then the spirit that is now charged starts to feed the soul. That is how our soul continues to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What renews it? What our spirit is feeding it. This is why you must continue to download into your spirit so that your spirit can continue to charge your soul. David did not understand this, but he said it. He said, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. That is all he could see. He knows that somehow there is a part of me that is not downcast. But my soul, my mind, where my emotions are, are downcast. He said, why are you downcast? It was the spirit man talking. Hallelujah. So the word of God is God-breathed. And what this means is that we continue to rely on inspiration on a continual basis. Look for every source of the word of God that will inspire you. Audios. The messages you hear, the things you listen to, the things you read. Let it inspire your world, your, your spirit man, and it will help you to continue to live beyond the chains and the situations of confine that you may find yourself part-time. The word of God is God-breathed, and it shall continue to breathe in you in Jesus' name. Remember when man was made in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, and God looked at the man he had made. He was just there. And God breathed into him. And then man became a living soul. A living being. Every time the word of God breathes into you, walks in you, you have access to life. Abundant life that is not contained and not confined. This is why Paul could write letters in prison. 
This is why Paul will be beaten with stripes and hit with the most difficult circumstances of life and yet come out and say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. (laughs) This is why it was impossible to stop that man. Oh, how Christians of today need to know how to live by the inspiration of the word of God. How we need to go back to those places where we must not be circumstantial with our lifestyle. We are people who are too reactive to what we can see in the physical. And Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says, for the just shall live by his faith. Let's go to number four thing so that we can bring this to a close. God's word prevails by its own power. John chapter 1 verse 3 to 5. Say with me, God's word prevails by its own power. We're going to read John 1, 3 to 5 and Acts 19 verse 18 to 20. John 1, 3 to 5 says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Verse 5 says, And that light shines in the darkness, for darkness has never overpowered it. You have gone to Amplify. Just come back to King James. I just read Amplified once. God bless you. I'll read it in King James again. And the light shines in darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. Just New King James is fine. New King James Version. And darkness did not comprehend it. From today, the word of God that will be shining in through your life will never be comprehensible by darkness anymore. In the mighty name of Jesus. Darkness has never ever overpowered light. No matter how small light is, it will, the moment you introduce light, in the intensity it has conquers every darkness around that light. Hallelujah. Every darkness around that light will bow to it. The Bible says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it. God's word prevails by its own power. Acts chapter 19, verse 18 to 20. Give me that in New King James Version. Acts 19, verse 18 to 20. The Bible says, And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, verse 19 says, Many of those who had passed, thank you, and many who had believed, thank you, verse 19 now, also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up to the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Then let's read verse 20 together. Everybody go if you can see it. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. It may take its time, but it will prevail. I say it may take its time, but it will prevail. You have to hold on to believing the word of God. The Bible says God said to that centurion, go home, your servant is healed. And it took that man about an hour to get home, but he kept on believing that he would meet the servant healed. And when he got home, he found that the servant had been healed. One other time, Jesus said to the, to the man, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent in John chapter 9. And as that man, the Bible says, and as he went, his eyes was opened. God's word may take certain time. It may take five minutes. It may take five months. It may take five years. It doesn't matter. Time is irrelevant with God because he will make all things beautiful. What? In its time. Every word of God 
prevails by its own power. We must not seek to add to the word of God. Let's not try to help God. If you come to me and you say, Pastor Dave, this is my situation. What is God saying to you? I'll pray. I'll search deep. If he says nothing, I'll say to you, he's saying nothing. I'm not ashamed to say that to you. No, I'm not ashamed. Some other people would think they have to say something because it looks like they are undermined when they have nothing to say. No. If he is not talking, don't talk. Because he will talk at the right time. We have come to a generation that just believes that we can command God to do. Even when we are praying, we pray and say, God, as I look to you to do this, you will provide it in, uh, in London. And as I go to London, I want to go and meet it there. <laughs> we pray all kinds of crazy prayer. <laughs> that we are kind of commanding God. No, we don't command God. We pray and trust him for his word to prevail. The word of God may take its time, but it will always prevail. I say it will always prevail. Don't let anything challenge your faith when you are waiting. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There is something about strength renewal in the place of waiting. And when God brings you out and into what he has for you, it is always beautiful. May God help you to continue to find his beauty. I say, may God help you to continue to locate his beauty in the mighty name of Jesus. We know from John 6, 63 that the word of God is spirit and is life. Let's keep trusting it. It's not the word of man. It is the word of God. The word of God is spirit. He said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Believe God. Meditate on his word. Declare his word. Change your language. Anytime you say something that is not in line with the word of God, you are not in agreement with God. Whatever you see, Speak the word of God. Don't speak what you see. Because the word of God has nothing to do with what you see. The word of God can supersede and interject and overpower what you see. So you speak what the word says. When the Bible says that the memory of the righteous is blessed, and you find yourself always reading... And when you read, your memory seems to vanish. Don't say, this is my brain. I don't know why. Every time what I read is going, is vanishing. You are agreeing with what you are experiencing and what you are, the prison, as it were. Which Paul said, even though that is what I'm experiencing, what I will say is that my memory is blessed. So the more you declare, my memory is blessed, I will gain understanding as I study then God opens your memory indeed. He allows you to enjoy and experience your agreement with him. I want us to change. Every couple should always train each other. When you listen to your spouse speaking something that is not of God, say, honey, that's not biblical. That's not what the word says. He say, hey, I don't care. I want to say what I feel like saying. And he say, no, let us say what the Bible says we should say. There is no in-between. There is no way you are believing God and you are not believing God. It's either you are believing him or you are not believing him. There is no mid-unbeliever or partial believer. <laughs> There's nothing like that. You are either a believer or an unbeliever. So be a believer indeed. Don't say, hi, hey, pastor, what do you mean? I'm feeling very bad. And you say, I cannot just say, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling weak. 
He said, no. The Bible says, let the weak say what? Let the weak say, I am strong. So you say, I'm strong. Say, Lord, I'm strong in the name of Jesus. What you are saying is that you are agreeing with the word of God rather than your circumstances. This is how Paul wanted Timothy to learn that the uncontainable word of God has no regard for what people are afraid of and what people have regard for. And I pray that God is going to help every one of us come into that place of full understanding in Jesus' name. Let's rise to our feet and trust.